You ready? I'm Lisa. And I'm Kelly. And this is Bad at Boundaries, the podcast where we share personal stories about setting boundaries, healing, and growing into the people we want to be. Get ready to laugh, sigh, and draw the line with us. Super easy first take. See, this is the problem with recording two episodes in one day because I have such charming, titillating, like opening banter for the first one. And the second one, I'm just like, hey. <laughs> We've been talking for an hour. Already. Hi, guys. Yeah. Hello. W- welcome it's to Bad Families. <laughs> yeah, it's us again. We were just talking to you. And now we're here again talking <laughs> some more. Yeah. Uh. I feel like it's not a secret that we try to record two at a time when we can. No, we are so busy most of the time that whenever we can sneak in, like, I'm not going to lie, we do our best on the, like, one-off, one hour when we're super-duper rush and have a a big time Mm -hmm. crunch, which we talk so much on episode nine, right? This is episode 10, yes? Mm -hmm. We have less than an hour left to record, and we booked in for, like, an hour and a half. No, we booked in no, for we two booked hours. In for two hours and fifteen minutes because they oh, let us. Okay. You're only supposed to book for two, but they know us now. <laughs> it's because we book until fifteen minutes before the yeah. library closes, but we can't go until close. We did that one time, and the reminders of timing were too stressful. They were basically banging on the glass, like you get out of there. <laughs> also, side note to all the librarians listening: ten out of ten, great work. Librarians yeah. are the best team. people. Also, yeah, we love Edmonton Public Library. My mom actually worked for EPL for years. Ooh. Should we get an Edmonton Public Library sponsorship? Should I reach out to the PR team? What? Are we having an idea or am I just going crazy? All right. Well, we're backpedaling on this idea and we're putting a pin in it, which brings us ooh, so smooth to today's topic. Backpedaling. And backsliding. Two very different things. Which I didn't know until this afternoon when we had a very confusing text conversation trying to figure out what to talk about. Yeah. Because I've only heard of backsliding. Like, I've always viewed it as, like, a negative connotation. Yeah. I think backsliding is falling back into, like, bad habits. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, backpedaling is, like, trying something new, assessing mm-hmm. the outcome and being like, nope. This didn't work. We're going to go back to the status quo. So I think backpedaling can be like a healthy assessment of like, I took a risk. It Mm -hmm. did not pan out. And we're going to go back to the last save version. (laughs) Yeah, literally, what is my last save? It's like John's been playing a bunch of like Legend of Zelda right now. So as I've been working at the dining room table, all I've been hearing is like little noises from Legend of Zelda. And every time he dies, it just resets to the last place he saved. And I'm like, God, I wish (laughs) every time you make a mistake in real life, you could just like reset. Yeah. And I feel like backpedaling for me would be something like, Oh, like a good example might be during our adventure to try to be on a Lego reality TV show. <laughs> I forgot we, we were, did that. We were fully invested. We and were I was emotional. like constantly looking at Lego sets online and being mm-hmm. like, ooh, this is an investment. And now that that is not a goal anymore, yeah. I feel like I've backpedaled out of that. And I'm mm. like, I will buy like one, maybe two sets a year mm-hmm. because I do have fun. Yeah. But I don't have unlimited money. Yeah. I like... For me, I feel like backpedaling is the most emotionally mature thing you can do when you've made a mistake or you're living within, you know, a reality that was not what you expected and you don't like it and it doesn't feel true to you and just like basically reverting back on a decision. I think backpedaling could 
do with like friends too. Yeah. So like when you meet a new friend, you've gotten to know them and you're like, mm-hmm. huh. And then like with our previous episode on mm-hmm. ghosting. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you don't ghost them, but like yeah. you kind of revert back to your like previous, like Maybe less frequent um cadence of hanging out well it's like and how many times have we gone to a party and you see like one person you kind of know or you meet somebody there and they're a ton of fun like in the party environment that kind of fun can be a lot less entertaining and valuable to your life when it's like 9 a.m and you need to go to work and this person's still like yeah let's party let's go we're going out for morning beers which okay sidebar <laughs> i need your help with this so i'm familiar with the term so what is this term sidebar do you mean dilly dally <laughs> you're right i do mean <laughs> dilly dally my god what is wrong with me so like i'm familiar with the term backsliding that was very popular i'm pretty sure it's from like new girl is where they reference it oh it's like a very common it's term. like a very common they didn't thing invent it. and yeah and like for me i always like backsliding is basically like It's a negative outcome in that, like, you're regressing away from progressing forward because the old version of you feels safe, feels familiar. And going forward and doing something that might be really good for you, the unknown is just too scary. So you almost, like, don't even try. You just keep going back. So, like, it's really weird talking about this as somebody who has struggled with addiction Mm -hmm. because... I caught myself in a backsliding moment, but I also think it could be a backpedaling moment. And this was like a, a while ago. Like this, this is not like true for me right now. But like right when I was like really at that last job, just struggling and banging my head and like not really sleeping, not really eating well. I woke up one morning and I like just didn't want to go to work or like had some sort of event that day that was like outside of work hours. So I'm pretty sure it was a weekend actually that I was supposed to like get up and go host an event. And I went on complete autopilot, got up in the morning, walked over to the fridge. It's like 7, 7.30 in the morning. And I just pulled out a beer and opened it and started drinking it. As your coping mechanism. Yeah, and I didn't even, like, notice it until I was, like, just standing there dead-eyed, staring out the kitchen window, thinking of all the shit I didn't want to do. Instead of drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah, instead of drinking coffee. and I like, Which, to some people, yes, is a different addiction. It, it is definitely a different addiction. It's definitely a more functioning addiction. Socially acceptable. Yeah. Where, so I, like, had this moment where I, like, kind of, like, woke up enough and, like, looked down and I was like, whoa. And for me, that was like one of the big moments of like my addiction where I was like, okay, I need to get out of this situation. Because if I am so dead to the world that I am backsliding into having a 7am beer, what the fuck? Like That is not what a functional human does. But then I also like think like the fact that I noticed it, is that backpedaling or backsliding? I do want to say I stopped drinking the beer. I did, however, put it back in the fridge on the off chance that I would need it later. I didn't dump it. Okay, I feel like there's, like, the optimist and the pessimist way to look at this. Yeah. So the pessimist would say that you cracking the beer at 7 a.m. was backsliding into old bad habits. And I can agree to that. Whereas the optimist would Mm -hmm. say that you acknowledging that that was a bad plan Mm. and putting the beer back without finishing (laughs) it is backpedaling and changing your course of action. That's true. Can I give you some hypothetical examples that I think will help distinguish these better? Yeah. So you've just been through a breakup. Mm. You go out to the bar 
You try to put yourself out there, because that's how we did it in our early 20s. You you are sidling up to a conquest, and then you go to the bathroom and text your ex. That is backsliding. That is backsliding. Scenario B. Mm. You go through a breakup. Mm -hmm. You go to the bar to pick up someone else. Mm. You realize that you don't want to be with someone else, and that you're not going to find happiness, Mm -hmm. and you call your ex and work things out <laughs> oh so yeah in both these cases like backsliding mm-hmm. is like going back to something you don't want mm-hmm. because you don't know mm-hmm. like you're scared of what you could have instead mm-hmm. whereas backpedaling is recognizing that like people aren't perfect and things yeah. like situations are fixable mm-hmm. so it fully depends on like outcome I think yeah. but maybe it actually just depends on your mindset okay Speaking, I feel like the difference between backpedaling and backsliding, backpedaling is hitting control Z, mm-hmm. undo, backsliding is hitting backspace. Because mm. I feel like backsliding is like undoing so, well not undoing, it's just erasing like all this progress forward in order to like go back to where it was safe. Whereas like control Z is just like, okay, I don't like how that turned out. I'm just going to go back and, like, still commit to moving forward at one point. Yeah. God, this and, like, episode nine, I am on these metaphors. (laughs) I think we're getting better at these because I feel like everyone can relate to, like, Mm -hmm. sending the risky text. Or, like, how many times have you seen friends that were in, like, breakups that were less than 24 hours? I, like, I have been that friend, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, like, usually it involves, like, everyone going out in support. And, and then yeah. de- it's a wild card for how the night's going to end. If, it, if I was there, it would be crying on the floor. And then my friends call my ex-boyfriend to pick me up. <laughs> mm. It's deeply haunting, actually. And that's on growth. And that's on growth. Hey, you, you have backslid. I have backslid so hard. I have backslid publicly about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Well, yeah. like, for me, like, when I think of backsliding and backpedaling, I, I almost exclusively frame it in, in dating. My friends and I had a rule, especially when we got into, like, our late 20s. It was, like, don't date the same guy twice. Like, if it if it didn't work, like, it's not, it's not going to work. Like, if you already know whatever you're fighting about or whatever the thing you broke up because of was such a deal breaker that you had to end the relationship, like, unless you can navigate your way out of that, like, don't bother. But mm-hmm. that, just because you know that in your mind doesn't mean that you're going to, like, follow those wise words. So I think, like... <laughs> Did I ever tell you, this is another, like, living in the mountains story. So I I know I shared the one time I went to go and see my ex with my friend who was very, like, let's get into something bad. Let's mm-hmm. do some job. Did I tell you that he came to visit me after that? The ex came to visit the you? The ex came to visit me. I think, I can't remember if he was done for the summer or he was driving back to, like, Edmonton, to, like, our hometown to, like, visit family. He had some time off or something. But I remember there was, like, a distinct afternoon where he was just like, oh, like, I'm driving by, like, I'll just pop in for lunch or whatever. And of course, like, the whole, like, my little cluster of cabins and all my friends who, like, lived around there, everyone had listened to me bitch and whine and, like, complain about the heartbreak I was going through with this guy and, like, ending this relationship. And I was also still a little delusional in that, like, well, maybe we'll get back together when we're back home, like, blah, blah, blah. And I remember, like, I was very firm with everyone. I was like, I'm not gonna, like, nothing's gonna happen. Like, if it something was gonna happen, it would have happened before when we were, like, visiting for the evening and, like, drinking. And I literally had, like, a little devil on my shoulder being like, do something. <laughs> 
do something <laughs> bad. I was like, this is the perfect situation to like see him. Like everybody will be around. It'll be like a super low key hang. And he's only going to be here for like a couple hours. So I spent like a lot of time promising not to do anything bad <laughs> and then the second he came to visit me like I was making like I was in the middle of making lunch for both of us so I was like oh come back to my cabin and of course I had the cabin that like a lot of people hung out in with the hopes of getting free food and in my head I was like this is perfect there's like 10 people there right now like it's a super low-key like non-sexual environment like this is gonna be good we walked into that cabin and everybody just walked right out, <laughs> like, immediately. So I'm like... The cabin's all yours. Truly. And I was like, you guys, like, what the fuck? Like, you can't do this You needed me. the opposite type of wingman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I truly needed somebody there to just, like, monitor me. Like, I needed, like, one of those, like, you know when... Uh, you needed a chaperone. I needed a chaperone or I needed, like, an ankle monitor. Like a vi- <laughs> like, I was thinking more of, like, a Victorian-era chaperone. Yes. Where you're, like, not even allowed to, like, touch hands. Yes, and scrutiny. they're in the room and just fully listening to your conversation. Like Bridgerton. Yes, I, need, I needed, like, Lady Bridgerton. <laughs> but, yeah, and then, like, of course, he was there. We're alone. Like, end up having bad behavior. And I remember, like, when he left, too, it was, like, ten times worse than like when we had said goodbye like originally because then it was like that hope was so much stronger and I it also made me it solidified more that like I can't go through that pain again like I already went through the pain the first time you like think you're strong enough to like withstand it and then you're with that person like for you know one more hour like in and that the flame way it's harder to extinguish yes and then of course you've had the pining the pining kelly in the middle of nowhere with no internet no tv no cell service all i was doing was pining in my free time and it's like did you keep a journal during that era of your life i did but do you want to know what's heartbreaking my car got broken into when i i like drove up to calgary because a couple of the people i was living within the mountains they were like drive up to calgary don't make like the full drive in one day you can stay overnight with us and then you can go to edmonton and the one night i had my car parked in their parkade it got broken into and somebody stole my backpack which had all the polaroids i took that summer my journals my laptop my like rough draft for the book that i'm still trying to write like years later personal it was so it was like it was worse than the pain of my ex leaving after we backslid. It was like all my memories from that summer were just gone. I'm sure actually I think I have one journal that made it out alive, but it was more mm-hmm. so for like the end of the summer. I will show it to you. Okay. <laughs> if it's really bad, we'll read some of the entries. Okay. Over. If we go back to my scenario A, mm. scenario B. Mm-hmm. I feel like like scenario A, so like the backsliding scenario is yeah. like you hang out with someone that you've hung out with before. Mm. And you're, like, embarrassed to tell your friends about it because you know better. That is backsliding. And backpedaling is when you have that, like, 24-hour breakup and talk shit about your ex. And then you work it out. And then you have to go crawling back to your friends and be like, remember when I said all those mean things? I was wrong. Dude, it is so hard to be friends with a chronic backpedaler. You, like, you just eventually stop trusting them. Like, one of my really good friends, she had, like this boyfriend in university who 
like all of us knew it was kind of a relationship of convenience. Like they lived really mm-hmm. close together and like it was to the point where they were like in the same neighborhood. So they would bump into each other all the time. And we would constantly like I didn't like him from the second I met him because I was like, you're meeting like your girlfriend's like closest friends. Now's the time to put on a show, kid. Like give me the razzle dazzle. Yeah, give me something. Yeah, give me a reason to like you. And he was like really like not into meeting us. Every time we went out, he was like super not into being being there he would even like always pass up on the casual hangs like he was just like I was very much so not in his corner from day one but Mm -hmm. I was also like this is a really good friend like I want to support her but it was the same thing and they would go out they would break up for some stupid reason usually it was because he like looked at another girl too long or she like accidentally spilled a drink on him because she was wasted and like just dumb stupid fights and then she would like spend the whole evening a whole next day just like absolutely tearing this guy apart and then immediately back together with him, like, within a week. It was so frustrating. Yeah. And it's, like, it's one thing to be able to, like, admit you were wrong. Yeah. But it's another thing to, like, just lack conviction. Mm-hmm. And not have, like, courage in your convictions. I think that is the difference, though. You saying admit you're wrong. That's the difference between backsliding and backpedaling. I think people who backpedal are capable of being, like, uh, I don't, I don't really like this. I was wrong about that. So I'm yeah. going to go back. Whereas backsliders... It's it's like almost like this stubborn element of like, well, I know, I know how this feels and I don't want to know how it feels to move on or mm-hmm. change something. I feel like backpedaling is giving yourself a clean slate and mm-hmm. being like, tested this hypothesis, <laughs> that is not a solution yeah. or like that is not going to have the outcome that mm-hmm. we, we thought it might. Yeah. And just wiping it clean. Um, okay, so <laughs> on my TikTok feed right now, there's this sound that's trending that's like, they're not your type, mm-hmm. they're your pattern. Ooh, that, I, that and, felt so deep in my soul. Oh, yeah, my like, God. I feel personally victimized I by too. that because it's like <laughs> you you chase this type of person because you already know the outcome and yeah. you know that you can handle it. Mm. Even if it's not going to make you happy, you at least know that you can survive it. I think, again, dilly-dally, I think that's why a lot of people end up with partners who are very similar to one of their, like, caregivers or parents. Yeah, which I... Every time I have a therapy session, it's so relevant to what we're talking about, and I swear to God... I did not plan this, but I, in therapy today, realized John and my dad are frighteningly and uncomfortably similar, which is not a bad thing because my dad is a really wonderful man, but it was really weird to see it like laid out like that. And I had a serious moment of like, am I okay with this? (laughs) Okay. But there's also this like hilarious theory that Mm -hmm. the best couples could be mistaken for siblings. Yes. John and I could. Yes. And honestly, it's kind of true. It's true. And now that I'm thinking about it, it feels icky to be saying. Okay, I'm going to correct my statement. So Mm. I'm not saying that, like, you have to look alike to be a healthy couple. No. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think couples that come from similar, like, upbringings Mm. have sometimes, like, less hurdles to work through Mm -hmm. so there seems to be just a little less drama yeah and so for like the couples that have to go through like a tougher time Mm -hmm. to learn about each other's culture and Mm -hmm. figure things out maybe they seem more volatile like in the moment while they're getting to know each other Mm -hmm. but if they can get through that and hit like stability yeah they're probably actually going to be a lot 
better off than those couples that have it easy mm-hmm. from the beginning. Well, because well, you have to overcome something to be together. And, like, I am a firm believer that if you, like, want to have a relationship, whether romantic, platonic, whatever, like, love comes from consistently choosing another person. Mm-hmm. Love at first sight is a wonderful concept. As somebody who's, like, experienced it, like, I can say it's real, but, like, longevity in relationships and like healthy relationships are based on consistently deciding to choose the other person and like recognizing them from like all their faults all their bullshit all the baggage they carry around every single day and deciding yes like that's still worth it I almost feel like your relationship is not real until you've gone through something that reiterates like yes I've made the right choice with this person it's like a lot of like the dating guides that I follow are like Mm -hmm don't commit to this till you've traveled together. Like, put yourself in a tough situation. (laughs) But I would love to say that in 2023, people can date whoever they want to with, Mm. like, no judgment. And it's just a matter of, like, adapting to each other's families and, like, the different ways that people live. But I think it's good to acknowledge that, like, sometimes it is a lot more complicated than, Mm -hmm. like, what you can see on the surface. Yeah. And maybe a lot of those couples that, like, look similar on the outside Mm -hmm. are going through a lot more than we're letting on. And maybe those are the people that are covering up a lot or that Mm -hmm. learn to, like, put on a good show from a young age and have, like, a a societal standard they're holding themselves up to. Well, like, speaking purely from my own experience, like, John and I had very different upbringings. Like, Mm -hmm. if you look at just, like, pure, like, socioeconomic statistics, like, he comes from a lot of wealth, a lot of stability. I come from... Opportunity. Yeah, a lot of opportunity. That's a great way to put it. Whereas I come from, like, a lot more, like, grassroots, like, you know, not always rich in finances, but definitely rich in love. But, like, when I look at, now that I understand our family dynamics more, I'm like, oh, John and I filled the same social role within our family. We were both mm-hmm. caregivers and people who often put, like, their own emotions, feelings, thoughts, mm-hmm. and ambitions on hold in order to caretake for the people around us. And you were caretakers as youngest children. As youngest children, yeah. So it, it's interesting. And, like, that's obviously every relationship is completely unique. So mm-hmm. it's hard to say, but, like, that, what you're saying rings very true for but me. But I, I feel like maybe that brings us back to backpedaling and backsliding in mm-hmm. a weird way where it's, like, yeah. figuring out what your non-negotiables are mm-hmm. and figuring out, like, what you can compromise on. So, like, maybe mm-hmm. you've had an argument. Yeah. And like with a partner and maybe you didn't break up but maybe Mm -hmm. backpedaling is like admitting you were wrong and maybe backsliding Mm -hmm. is getting like gossiping to your friends or maybe like getting some external validation in some way or being really caught up and playing the victim without actually looking at your own behavior you know and like villainizing other people actually backpedaling I had an experience with that like the other morning uh I can't remember what we were doing but I got just like a lousy sleep John John was snoring all night and I couldn't really like get to bed and get in my good sleep so like when he got up he was like okay like you sleep in well we have a house full of like animals so Mm -hmm. when it's morning time they're like busting down the door being like (laughs) where the fuck is breakfast like so I was trying to sleep in and I had like cats crawling all over me I had a dog like whining to come into bed and like I got really frustrated with John because like John's paramedic who works night shifts 
every time, it feels like to me in that moment that every time John needs extra sleep, I'm the one who's like going above and beyond to like shut the door, make sure the dog's entertained. If the dog's being too much, we take him on a walk. Like we make sure all the animal's needs are met. And like I fall into the pattern of like caretaking for him and putting my own needs on hold. So when the roles were reversed and I was the one who needed to sleep in, like I knew John was familiar with that role. And I got really annoyed when I'm like, what? why is the dog in here when I'm trying to sleep? Like, where are you? Granted, I hadn't communicated that expectation with him beforehand. So when he comes in, like after 10 minutes of the dog barking at me <laughs> to be like, do, 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 come on, puppy, let's get out of here. I really snapped at him. And I was like, can you just, like, take him for a walk? Like, I don't understand why this is so hard. Again, not me in my best moment. And, like, I just got so annoyed and frustrated with him that, like, I said some pretty biting words. And he, like, got up and left and did his thing. And, like, for the first 10 minutes I was trying to fall back asleep, I was just, like, in that narrative of, I, I am the victim here. Poor me. Lisa can't get any sleep. And then the more I like sat there and thought about it, I backpedaled to be like, Lisa, you, you didn't tell him what you needed. Like he's not <laughs> yeah. a mind reader. Did you tell him to close the door? No, I didn't <laughs> tell him anything. I just said, I'm sleeping in. You, you're in charge of all the pets. I didn't say like, hey, when I do this for you, this is how I take care of it. This is the general routine. Like they'll respond if you do this. I just expected him to literally read my mind. So like kind of having that moment of backpedaling and redoing that interaction. I got up, I apologized to him. I was like, you didn't, I could have communicated that like way better. We didn't need to start the day Mm -hmm. like that. And then he was like, well, like in your defense, you're very short on sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And this may or may not be relevant, but Mm -hmm. who's a better sleeper between the two of you? John is. John can sleep anywhere. Yeah. So it probably Mm -hmm. like it, when it takes someone less effort to sleep, like I'm, I'm a very good sleeper. Mm -hmm. So like, this weekend, um, like, I had the farm party that we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. And, like, I rolled up with, like, a tent in my sleeping bag and mm-hmm. was like, I can pop this up whenever and have a great sleep. Yeah. And then I found out I got to sleep in my friend's cabin instead. And I was like, that's also great. Mm-hmm. And slept, like, the night through. Mm-hmm. And, like, I rolled out and, like, came out into the kitchen in the morning. I just had the best sleep. And oh, my friend, screw you. My friend was like, oh, Yeah. And then I realized I'm talking to someone with a three-month-old. And I was like, <laughs> did you get to sleep? Oh, my God. And I was like, yeah, I need Oops. to not brag about this because this is not an option for her right now. See, I'm like, a, I need blackout curtains. I need to have the right, like, amount of blanket on me. I need to know before I get in bed if I am wearing socks or not wearing socks. Can't take them off in the middle of the night. I need the right elevation of pillow. I need a sleep mask. I need the fan going. I need a humidifier. And even then, if I'm having an anxious day, I I won't be able to settle. Like, there's a reason why, like, I always say to Kelly, I was like, if we're just having a chill day, if it's after 8.30, I'm going to be stoned. Like, I need to smoke weed at 8.30. You have your ritual. I have a routine where it's like, if I don't time it right then like the waves of like CBD don't line up and I like either miss my window so it hits me too early and then by the time I'm going to bed it's like not enough to get me into REM or mm. or I'm still riding that THC high and I'm lying there just spinning. So, <laughs> I know but I would rather dilly dally I would much rather be smoking weed than I did a whole fun month with sleeping pills and I will never do that again. 
Yeah, I know a few people who mm. made the transition from sleeping pills to CBD yeah. after thinking they would never Mm-mm. dabble with weed. They have all like confirmed that they are like mm-hmm. happier, better people for it. Well, I mean, and to wrap up this dilly dally, because this is quite the dilly mm-hmm. dally, like there was a point in my life where and before I was using cannabis for like actual smart reasons and using it from party reasons, I was using sleeping pills to go to bed. And that was after drinking quite a bit, too. So then I would get up in the morning and I would be still so zonked out. I would have to take caffeine pills, which Mm -hmm. if you've never taken a caffeine pill, you think taking a morning cup of coffee will get your bowels moving. (laughs) I basically (laughs) rolled into work and like had to run to the bathroom every day. It was just it was probably so hard on your body. Yeah, it was a really hard. And then. That doesn't put you in a good mode to sleep. And also, believe it or not, it doesn't really start your day with a ton of confidence when you walk into the office and immediately (laughs) have to have insane explosive diarrhea (laughs) in the communal bathroom. The things we talk about on this podcast, backpedaling back to that, when was the last time you backpedaled? Oh, well, we all know the last time I backslid was after our last Taylor Swift night. Oh, yeah. And I... I reopened a conversation that I thought was shut. Mm. And you know what? In this case, it was, it started as a backslide, but I think I pivoted to a backpedal in that I got some closure that I was trying to convince myself I didn't need. Yeah. But then getting that was good. And it wasn't necessarily like closure from the other person. Mm -hmm. It was closure in the sense that it was a reminder that I don't want to feel the way that that person makes me feel. For clarification, this was the person who, when you guys were having the confrontation about what you said on the podcast, we (laughs) both got the vibe that he wanted to come on our podcast and defend himself for some reason because he just felt entitled to come into our space. I might cut that out. That was a little mean, but Um, but I also stand by it. I mean, I really doubt they're listening this far in. And if mm. if they are, then... <laughs> if they are, they just heard me talk about my insane diarrhea at work. So they deserve to hear this too. Yeah, but it was one of those things where it was like, I think it was like the final confirmation I needed that mm. I was like interested in this person's potential and not their reality. Yeah. So like not only was I like stuck in this like habit that wasn't good for me, mm. but I feel like... Like, I wasn't seeing this person for where they were at. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to be willing to go through the journey with someone. Mm -hmm. And for me, I yeah, like, when you're projecting an idea of of someone onto them, Mm -hmm. like, you're not actually giving them the chance to just, like, be who they are. Yeah, show up as they are. I, I feel like when you allow people to show up as they are, it's, like, really the ultimate test of without the bells and the ribbons and the whistles... Do I like you? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like what date it is today. I'll have to do like a proper count, but rough count, mm-hmm. 90 days sober. We're yes, clean. Yes, yes, Just yes. in time for 1989 to come out the and drop that song. was the very worst. Yeah. Love that. But I think sometimes you need to just like backslide a little bit to remind yourself that mm. you have come a long way. Yeah. And even if you are backsliding, like mm-hmm. I was like, at least like, yeah, like I'm not perfect. I'm going to mm-hmm. make mistakes. I'm going to learn things and then I'm going to have to learn them again and maybe again if mm-hmm. I'm if I'm lucky. But like that's life, baby. Yeah. Like I feel like we have like the whole concept of backsliding, backpedaling. I don't know if you're feeling this, but I'm feeling myself judge myself 
mm-hmm. a tiny bit talking about it's the this. way that you feel yeah it's like were you embarrassed to mm-hmm. tell your friends about what happened yeah that feels like a backside to me yeah like I didn't tell actually the first time I ever have talked about the day I autopiloted had a beer for breakfast and that was after like a long time of being so careful about being sober and making sure the 10 a.m. beers weren't creeping up on me again. Like, I didn't tell any, I didn't even tell John when that happened. I was so embarrassed of, like, you know, this is happening. But at the end of the day, like, isn't the whole point of growing up and getting older and, like, just becoming who you are? It's allowing yourself to make mistakes. Because, like, if if you don't make mistakes, you're not really learning anything. And I mean, like, it is, it is still August, but mm. the chill is hitting the air. Oof. Like, fall is approaching, which means it is Hallmark movie season. And if Hallmark movies teach you anything, <laughs> it's that backsliding and rekindling old flames is always going to have a positive outcome. Toxic. Toxic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm really happy that I'm kind of getting past, like, my backsliding era. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm back in that place of, of backpedaling. Where I feel comfortable, like, it's really weird, this whole last few months of, like, quitting my job, lighting everything on fire, and, like, seeing what I can make of the ashes. I feel like it's it's taught me a lot. It's been filled with a, a bunch of mistakes. And now I feel like I am almost backpedaling kind of back into reality and, mm. like, rebuilding things. And, like, when I, like, left everything and just basically dipped out of my whole life and said I can't do this anymore, I feel like I had really really big like goals and ambitions for myself and was really pushing myself to like you know take it to the next level like get where I want to be artistically and now I feel like I'm almost going back into reality but like I've learned so much this last little bit by making some truly stupendous and astounding mistakes mm-hmm. you know like I feel like I'm just entering the season of like all right and take two <laughs> yeah. but I I think it's a, just as important to figure out what you don't want yeah. than it is to figure what you do want because mm-hmm. if you've only tried one path like mm-hmm. you cannot tell me that this is the perfect path for you mm-hmm. but it it just means like you're comfortable where you're at yeah and some people are totally fine with that and mm-hmm. there are people that have decades-long careers in mm-hmm. the same industry but I just think for me like some of my most not even best experience but some of the most impactful experiences I have are from trying things and then being like, nah, I never want to do that again. Yeah, I feel like in a weird way, like giving yourself permission to backpedal, it's like taking away the fear factor Yeah. from that and like giving yourself permission to like make mistakes, you yeah. know? Or even just getting comfortable being like, oh yeah, hmm. for me, it's mm-hmm. like being like, I've been skydiving <laughs> and I hated it. <laughs> It was not fun for me. I didn't enjoy it. I would Mm -hmm. go bungee jumping again. Mm -hmm. But for me, like skydiving, because your instructor is doing all the work, you don't get the same sense of ownership because Mm. you are not the one that jumps out of the plane. Yeah. And I did not enjoy it enough to like (laughs) ever go through training to be the one that jumps out of the plane independently. Because I just full on panicked and cried (laughs) most of the way down. Sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah. When the parachute was pulled, like from then on, everything was great. My ears mm-hmm. finally popped, so mm-hmm. I was much happier. But everyone talks about this as this, like, transformative experience. And I was like, no. What I realized about myself is, like, I don't consider myself scared of heights, mm-hmm. but I am scared of falling, which yes. are two very different things. Yes. So being in free fall, 
Not your jam. One of the worst experiences of my life, to be honest. Yeah. But then having the parachute be pulled and having that kick in, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm totally fine when I can feel a harness on my body. And you know you're secure. It's like backpedaling is so humbling. Mm-hmm. It's such a nice, like almost a nice way of being like, you know what? I, I don't want to do that. I'm glad I tried it. I'm glad I like attempted something, but like, it's not for me. And like learning to be okay with that. Like Mm -hmm. you you aren't going to love everything you do in this life. You aren't going to be successful at everything you attempt in this life. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important to like do that Mm self-assessment and figure out like what's a boundary for you and what's a growth zone. Mm. Because like based on that, like there's other things where there's something called spinnaker Mm -hmm. where you're in like this like swing, this kite swing on the back of a boat. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is fun for me Mm -hmm. because like, yes, you're up high, but that's fine because Mm -hmm. I'm sitting on something, Mm -hmm. you're strapped in and that's good. But I think if I had taken the experience of like skydiving and been Mm -hmm. like, I don't like heights in general and like Mm -hmm. not taking the time to assess like, the specifics yeah then I would have limited myself from a lot of different activities yes I think the biggest backpedal I've ever had in my life was did I tell you I wanted to be a teacher like my whole life no I know isn't that like or maybe well okay I I knew it was an option I didn't know how invested you were I was really invested in it so I actually like I I really wanted to be a teacher that was kind of like this is what you do with an English degree I guess and I like had this whole plan that I was going to get out of Edmonton I moved to Kelowna and get my ed degree from UBC. And uh, I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is my way out of here. And my ex-boyfriend at the time, he actually broke up with me because he was like, well, there's no future here. If you're going to Kelowna anyway, I don't even want to date you right now. I know. Red flag number 10,037. Yeah. And because he did that, I actually like fully took teaching off the table, which for a long time I thought was a really big mistake. And then during the pandemic, remember that like weird couple months where we were all freaking out and like people were trying to just like get to like basically areas of the world where COVID was more under control. Mm -hmm. And there are also like, I think the Ukraine war was starting out. There are a bunch of other things. So there are like immigrants going around the world. And through Nate, uh, I actually took my TESOL certification. So teaching English as a second language. Mm -hmm. And for a while I was working as a like English tutor through Zoom for people who like have basically been thrown into Canada and had no other resources for learning the language. So, like, for a long time, I felt really good. I was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm helping the world. And, like, two weeks into the job, I was just like, I hate this. I hate it yeah. so much. Like, after a two-year two program or a year-and-a-half program or whatever, I was just like, I really don't like this. And I felt so weird about it because I was like, geez, this is something I, like, art projects from when I was a little kid being like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a teacher. And I finally found my way back to it. And it really just did not resonate with me at all. Like mm-hmm. I enjoy teaching people things, but in a, in a more relaxed, creative environment, not yeah. in a, you have to follow this curriculum and they have to like exhibit these skills. Otherwise you're not performing you know so like having to kind of like go through all that education and that long journey and then be like never mind (laughs) like that was so humbling and I felt really dumb about it for a long time yeah one Mm -hmm. of my biggest backpedals was actually linked to like education as well so Mm -hmm. when I knew I needed to get out of teaching 
I like looked up all my options. Yep. All the rom-coms <laughs> that I'd been reading are yeah. telling me that like if you love books, publishing is the industry for you. Oh yeah. So I took a publishing degree online. So for Whoa. the it's it would have been a one-year certificate program if I mm-hmm. was taking it full-time, mm-hmm. but I spread it out over 2 years and was balancing it while still teaching full-time, which right. Like, I was just lucky enough that, like, by my third year teaching full-time, I could balance it. Yeah, yeah. And I could actually, like, get a lot of my work done at school. Mm. And I was strategically taking, like, children's literature wow. courses so mm. that, like, if I needed to, like, use a book mm-hmm. as part of my project, I could borrow from the school library. Yeah. This is a dilly-dally, but I had one fun project where I think I was... I picked The Secret Garden as my topic. I love that book. And I was very transparent with my students. I was like, I'm in online classes right now because I wanted to learn more about this. Yeah. So one of my students actually had like a an illustrated copy of the secret garden and brought it in beautiful and then we got to like go through it together and I got to see like her perspective and hear Mm -hmm. her story of experiencing the book which actually helped with my assignment Um, thank you and then I think I've mentioned the coding course that I accidentally took where one of my grade nine students Mm -hmm. helped me with my coding homework so Mm -hmm. as much as like it felt like it wasn't a good financial investment when I came through it, especially because I knew I did not want a job Mm -hmm. in publishing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wrapped up my last month teaching in June. Mm -hmm. I took the summer off. My friend and I traveled the whole month of August. And then so I kind of gave myself a summer break. And then I was like, okay, I'm coming back (laughs) and I'm figuring this out. Mm -hmm. And then what I realized when I landed my first tech job, which Mm -hmm. was in educational technology, the mandatory courses that weren't maybe on my radar as being fun ones to take mm-hmm. actually became really good bridging courses yeah. because like the marketing and sales perspectives, mm-hmm. even though it was for a different industry, mm-hmm. I could follow along the acronyms that people were using. Yeah. Because let me tell you, teacher acronyms and <laughs> corporate girly acronyms are completely different. Yes. And there are some overlapping acronyms where the acronym sounds the same, but it means something completely, completely different. different. But don't you like take what you like learn from those like random courses or like random avenues that you went halfway down and then turn back or like no like backpedal this is not for me Mm -hmm. I feel like when I look at like who I am now I'm such a better public speaker because of my TESOL course I'm so much better at giving and receiving like criticism and critique of work now and I feel like if I hadn't taken that like I used to be really emotionally immature whenever anybody was like remotely critical of my art or of my like my performance at work I used to not Mm -hmm. be able to handle it and now I can like almost see it from a teaching perspective like I still use what I learned there every single day yeah. Yeah. And I do need to focus on the journey better because my mom mm. heard me talk about this publishing course and being like, mm. oh, yeah, like I, I, I learned a lot. It was a good bridging program mm-hmm. and it helped me figure out, mm-hmm. like it helped me narrow down my opportunities. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you just minimize that so much. Yeah. She was like, you got a scholarship <laughs> for potential in educational publishing. Yeah. And then I ended up in educational technology and it didn't happen at my first job, but mm. like some of the experience that I then built up in between mm-hmm. uh, there are some customers that I work with now in my current job mm-hmm. where it's really helpful for me to have had that background mm-hmm. but I also have the benefit of a, a co-worker mm-hmm. who does have a background in right. publishing mm-hmm. and I when I had a coffee chat with them like around when I first started this new job mm-hmm. I got to kind of 
okay, I, I aggressively grilled them because I <laughs> knew this Tell going in. And yeah, they were like, honestly, some of the things that you did not like about teaching, there's like similar aspects where with publishing, it can be really long hours. Mm-hmm. It can be not great pay. You're kind of at the whims of other people. So yes, you don't feel like yes. you have a lot of autonomy because you're just waiting for people to get their projects in on time. Mm. And I was like, ooh. My mom used to have a saying, and especially when I was in university and not doing super well and like really struggling with traditional learning, she every time I wanted to just drop out or quit, she would always say like, Lisa, no education is a waste. Like, Mm -hmm. it's always good to have it. And I feel like as I've gotten older, I like would extend that to like no experience is a waste like every time you think you're gonna make it doing one thing and it doesn't work out or you leave your job to go somewhere else and it's not quite as good I feel like we get so caught up and like well I failed I failed at this I could I didn't make it doing this so it was a complete waste of time like blah 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 it's like no no matter what you do you get something out of it even if bare minimum you know next time you aren't going to do something like that like it's all knowledge it's all learning it's all important and if I learned anything working a job during 2020 where (laughs) I mostly spoke to professors and like post-secondary students Mm. learning does not have to take the form of higher education yes there are some doors that it will open for you Mm. but we live in this very cool world Mm. where people respect capacity to learn so if you're someone that can teach yourself that is willing to take risks and is mm-hmm. willing to just try new things mm-hmm. that is like actually a skill that it looks great on interviews and mm-hmm. I was in this cool position where I was working with students who had not graduated yet but had been given an opportunity to get experience working for companies mm-hmm. and it was paid it was Ooh. not it was not unpaid internships mm-hmm. but there were students who pivoted that into like full-time work mm-hmm. or who became entrepreneurs of their own because they were like once I got to see close up mm-hmm. how someone runs a business mm. I realized I could do it but if they had never chased that opportunity mm-hmm. they wouldn't have figured that out look at you go Let's draw the line there. What are our key takeaways from today? I think I think it doesn't really matter what you did. Mm-hmm. It matters what you do with that moving forward and how yeah. you respond and how you how you share your experiences. So mm-hmm. like the way that you build the narrative. So whether mm-hmm. your story is coming from a place of embarrassment or reflection mm-hmm. or anywhere in between, just own what you did. Yeah, I think for me, like backsliding is so based out of fear. Whereas I feel like backpedaling is based more out of like being humble and being like, well, that didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but like I still got something of value of it. And I think if I could impart any wisdom on anyone today, it would be life gets so much better when fear is not backing all your decisions. Yeah. And I think at a certain point, if you're going to become the person that you're supposed to be, if you're going to live the life that you are meant to have, you have to accept that you will have to do new and scary things. Mm -hmm. And to me, the scariest thing is not trying at all. I think it's so important to get out there, make mistakes. And if your worst case scenario is backpedaling, Mm -hmm. congratulations, because there is a lot of value in that. Yeah, we have carefully curated the Bad at Boundaries Instagram feed so that it works great to like scroll through for inspiration. But Mm -hmm. there was a post. (laughs) Actually, no, I think it was one you shared on your story. Yeah. Share your silly little stories Mm -hmm. because you never know when your journey Mm -hmm. is going to be someone else's blueprint. Exactly. Because... Everyone has different experiences 
and different ways of processing information. So mm-hmm. something that maybe you went through something, you mm-hmm. came through it on the other side and it feels silly now. Yeah. But that could be brand new, useful information to someone else. And also, I get so inspired just watching other people try. Mm-hmm. That like, if, even if you are at the point where you can't do these scary things and try for yourself, try for other people. Be the person to break the mold. Be the first person to do something scary. Even if you look back and you're like, that was so silly. Why did I do that? You never know when your catastrophe is going to be someone else's inspiration. So long story short, just send it. Send it. (laughs) Also, we have to draw the line here because we're going to run out of time. So I think... Rosebud Thorne, wait. Oh, if we can do it in two minutes or less. Yes. You go first. <laughs> my, oh, I will do all three. My Rose, I just started watching Only Murders in the Building. Yes, I know I'm three seasons too late. I love it. I will talk about it with everybody. Do not spoil it for me if you watched it. Uh, my bud is we are currently harvesting sunflowers, and I'm so excited to get all those seeds out. It's so satisfying to do. I might just, like, make a video and post it on our reels because I'm, like, obsessed with, like, brushing all the blossoms out and, like, getting all the seeds. Um, and my thorn. My dad still has cancer. It's really difficult to talk about. I don't want to end the podcast like this, so you go. Okay, my <laughs> rose is that the garden that mm. I think I've talked about lots of times... nothing got damaged in the hail that we had last week amazing so and it's doing well I got a little behind on the weeds but we're catching back up Mm -hmm. and my mom has volunteered to come help me if needed which was the motivated I needed to just go do it yes I know it's like Um, mom don't do this for me (laughs) yeah and like not that it's perfect but Mm. I made a good dent in it Mm -hmm. my bud is that I have this vine that grows on my fence Mm. and it bloomed in the spring Mm -hmm. and I got a second bloom last week (gasps) so somehow like the way we've had like temperature up and downs means like it's fall spring or something yeah for the second time this year I have blue flowers all over my vine that's amazing and then thorn is ooh. I, we're facing the reality that Jetta is an old dog. No. And she is just starting to develop some weird eating habits. So right now my parents are hand feeding her every meal. She's still happy. She still gives me her little dance to see me. But there's yeah. just a few quirks. She's getting up Her there. naps are a little longer. Her naps are like not on the couch always anymore. Mm. Sometimes she naps in the closet. She's oh. nesting a little bit. Oh. And she's, like, 13 or 14. She's a rescue, so we don't she's know for sure. She's crushed it. Like, but, she's entitled to a nap in the closet. Yeah, but mm-hmm. we are we are facing mortality. Mm. So And aren't we all, in yeah. some way or another? I think what matters is just doing your best to enjoy life, even when, even when you got these thorns poking you. Let's draw the line there. Bad at Boundaries is a podcast created by Lisa Hennig and Kelly McGillis. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Bad at Boundaries. Thanks for listening.